Christopher, what's up? Hey, what's going on, man? Just chilling. I are haven't we, talked uh, to you. I haven't talked to you in a little bit. Are we? Uh, are we going? We're recording. We're we're go. Yeah, we're phone calls with friendsing right now. Nice, nice, nice. Okay. So, yeah. yeah there's like a lot. There's just a lot going on since the last time I talked to you. We haven't talked since this whole uh, Black Lives Matter movement. Um, yeah, yeah. And things are not slowing down here. This is a very strange moment we're living in, for sure. It's strange, right? Yeah. Yep. There's so much stuff going on right now at the same time, and uh, it's difficult to keep up, even if you're paying attention. Not only is it difficult to keep up, but it's like social media has never been more crowded and populated with, like, very emotional posting. And so I feel like not only is it hard to keep up, but if you don't really consume social media wisely I think you can get like even a even a very balanced person I think can get their emotional center thrown off um, if you consume too much of it I mean I've never seen anything in my time on the internet like the last couple months as far as certain articles or certain videos or certain trends be like filling literally my entire timeline. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think um, social media for sure, you know, I'm not the first to say this, of course, but like you have to be extra careful with it because it will take over your life. It will give your perspective. It'll change your psychology, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's known. I mean, they, the, the head of, one of the heads like very high up in Facebook after he left Facebook came out um, either like last year or the year before saying, no, 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 like we, we legitimately used to design it to give you hits of dopamine to keep you on the platform. Like the idea is that they're actually designing it to change your psychology. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so some of the best and brightest minds that we have in our country are using their brain power to change people's psychology so that a social media network can essentially make ad revenue. Yep, definitely. It's all happening. Um, so, I think it's something, and it's happening on different fronts too. It's a, you know, the, the major platforms, of course, it's always, happening but you know even even google search results stuff like that you know they're the amount of engineers they put just on the search engine alone is staggering it's in the thousands so yeah. we have all these people who are you know it's not wrong to, to own a business and it's not wrong to sell a product but at some point it becomes you know too manipulative you know it's you're doing more harm than good here well, I think there's a point at which, right, dude, I totally agree. In our country, you know, one of the, our ideals that we really, we value here is the freedom to, like, do whatever you want. The idea of the, of the American dream, that you can go from nothing, be a college kid in a dorm room, come up with 
a good idea that solves a problem, work really hard, and then get wealthy from it. That's beautiful. I, I wouldn't, I, that should stay. I love that about our world. And I've, I've personally benefited from that. And so I, I enjoy it. And it's great. But I think there's a point at which certain innovations go from, like especially Google, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, innovations like that, they become so important to um, the overall discourse and they become so powerful as far as what they're able to do to manipulate information in people's minds that I feel like they need to be regulated differently and there needs to be rules around them, you know, because they just become such important integral parts of the human experience at this point. It's the same exact thing with like medicine, healthcare, you know, electricity, power, like all of these things are, are like baked into the human experience and that we all value. And so I think they need to be treated differently. There needs to be different rules around them. Yeah. And, um, a lot of people are calling for that for, uh, you see people on the conservative or on the, uh, the right wing. A lot of these people, they, they follow accounts uh, on social media that sometimes get blocked and they, um, accuse the platforms of having a bias and, um, in favor of, you know, the left wing spectrum of the political, uh, working, you know, whatever happening right now. It's like, it's, it's not even politics anymore. I feel like it's, uh, it's uh, tribal and people people kind of back up their um their views by many of the things they see on social media like you said it's a very important platform it's where everything kind of happens now and people call it the uh like people call twitter the the modern town square or facebook the modern town square where everyone gathers and talks about things and this is how people are communicating right now so yeah. all of this is connected, you know? Well, I think Twitter, Twitter clearly, if you just look at the people that they have shadow banned and that they've kicked off, the numbers are, they're undeniable. They're definitely in, they far, like the, the numbers are crazy. I don't know what they are, but I know that you know. They ban right-wing perspectives at such a higher clip that it's obvious um, I mean, it's not some crazy conspiracy. They legitimately do. The numbers are ridiculous. Um, Tim Pool talks about it. I know there was that podcast with Tim Pool, Jack from Twitter, and the head of policy or whatever at Twitter with Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fascinating, mm-hmm. fascinating discussion about it where they tried to defend it, but, like, obviously it was just PR. They can't defend it because the numbers are the numbers. But what's interesting is Facebook used to do that but it seems like Facebook is more like in their own weird realm where Mark Zuckerberg is just, it seems like he's just trying to do whatever is best for his bottom line. And what was really good for his bottom line in 2016 election was, you know, the, the, the right wing people spending an insane amount of money. Um, obviously there's the conspiracies that it was the Russians and the, and the, the bots and it's all disinformation. And so people freak out about that, but it seems now like Facebook is almost 
although they did ban a shitload of QAnon groups, but it seems like they are going more the other way because it's better for their bottom line. So it's almost like Mark Zuckerberg's going away from maybe what his personal philosophy is, but going towards what's better for him for business. It's very interesting. Yeah, Zuckerberg does kind of break from the crowd a little bit. He talks about he wants Facebook to be a free speech platform, but you know, that's what he says. Uh, what happens is a different thing. Um, I, I think you're right about him, though. He does care about the bottom line, and he sees an opening uh, in the market since everyone else is pulling uh, to the to the left, the center. So um, I think he does see an opening there. Uh, you're right about that. Yeah. But I'm, yeah. I don't – Zuckerberg, like you said, like you have to take everything he says with – a mound of salt, you know, it's like you have to watch what he does and, you know, what has he already done? Um, so I'm not a big fan of the guy, but like, you know, I don't understand his life or his world. So I try not to judge people, but um, I think you're right about uh, maybe some kind of restriction stepping in because at this point I feel like the government and these giant corporations you know, especially social media like we're talking about. It's like they're not, they're not like really separate from each other. They're working kind of hand in hand, and they can use those platforms however they want. Um, and uh, in that way, they can quell free speech. You know, for instance, if, that's, if people are being censored on social media, uh, since that's where everyone is, uh, that's where everyone gets their information from, YouTube and sharing links and stories and whatnot. It's like if you're censoring people on those platforms, you're really shutting off the voices of the people, um, you know, who you don't like. And uh, I think that's what's happening with the government, um, that there are elements of our national government working with social media and uh, Google, ABC, uh, I mean, Alphabet Company, and they're they're working together um, and using private companies to um, quell free speech instead of using the government's power. And somehow they're getting away away with it. And uh, I mean that's how it looks to me. I don't know how you feel about it, but it makes sense in my head. Well, I don't. Again, dude, like I know nothing. I'm just a person trying to figure out the world better. Um, but I don't, it does seem like, you know, the stuff Jordan Peter t- Peterson talks about where people, like if you know which side of the spectrum they're on, you can almost know exactly what they're going to say in any given situation to any given like issue. And yeah. I think that has a lot to do with social media and to think, to say it's only people on the left, you know, corporations and entities on the left doing it is silly because it's also people on the right. And so I think censorship sometimes isn't necessarily just, you know, Big Daddy, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube actually censoring people through like their fact checker or just taking shit down straight up. But I think sometimes censoring looks like, you know, a mega corporation that legitimately has infinite money essentially to spend. Like, they're just printing money at this point, Google and, and 
even like if you think like these super PACs that raise billions of dollars for campaigns, they're able to censor speech in the form of investing in ads or, or to change people's perspective by investing in ads. And if they show you in enough places all over the Internet a certain perspective or a certain thing about Trump or Biden or about this or that or the next thing, Black Lives Matter or COVID, they can, get, they can manipulate you to think a certain way. Yeah, that's true. And that's definitely happening, dude. It's, you know, I've been kind of like testing it a little bit with my own personal social media because I just thought recently, like, you know, I was about to quit Facebook because I live streamed my own fucking songs and they, they said that I violated copyright infringement and they didn't give me an ability to dispute it whatsoever. They were just like, you're in violation of copyright. Take this down. They paused all of my music in it, and I got so mad that I almost quit it. And then I was like, wait a second. I'm not just going to quit. Like, as much as social media is can be dangerous, can be harmful, can be shitty, it's also a very, very valuable tool. And that's where the people are, and that's where the conversations are happening. So I was like, no, no, no. Not only am I not going to quit it, but I'm going to start putting my authentic perspectives onto it like some of the conspiracies that i fully believe in after doing a decade worth of research i'm going to start posting about it and i'm going to do it try to hopefully in a way that's like a little bit comedic a little bit of satire involved a little bit of sarcasm to try to rile up people's emotions a little bit so that we can talk about it and it's been working (laughs) it's been working but what what i've noticed is like the people that have the opposite perspective of what I do, bro, their emotional responses are insane. Like, they, they come at me hard. Go to my Facebook and look, dude, like, comment after comment after comment after comment about, you know, like, all sorts of shit that's I'm like, bro, I, I'm sorry you don't agree, but why don't you agree? Let's talk. Can we talk? Can you tell me why you don't agree? Can we talk it out? Because I'm not emotional over here. I'm just having fun. Yeah. I I am having fun. Like if I wanted to, if I want to put my perspective out there in a comedic way about how I think the world's run by a uh, uh, an evil satanic cult of pedophiles, I'm going to do it. And and newsflash newsflash for you, that's not a new conspiracy. That conspiracy's been around for a while. And so, but like people just get so riled up about anything that's conspiratorial whatsoever and, or anything that like, especially on my timeline and my social media, people get riled up about anything that's like pro-Trump or even if it like hints pro-Trump or even if it hints at the current, like right now it's Black Lives Matter. If it even hints at the fact that maybe that's not exactly what it seems, bro, it's like, you know, I'm this, I'm just like this racist person who just like isn't down for the cause and must hate black people. Uh huh. Yeah. I uh, I get what you're saying. There, there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, for instance, there was a person who, who, I think it was a professor. He retweeted someone. He 
or he liked a uh, a post that was somewhat critical of some of the aspects of what was happening right now uh, during Black Lives Matter and some of the protests and some of the riots. And uh, and he was, I think he was fired. He was fired for, for liking a tweet or retweeting something um, that he didn't say and wasn't, wasn't encouraging violence. It wasn't, wasn't doing anything except for, uh, for kind of putting his perspective on it and mm. um, at least a little bit and he was fired for it. So it's like, there are, there are things that are happening here, like you said, that are deeper than what's happening on the surface. I think it's, I think a lot of people don't look further than that. Um, but I think, yeah, there, there must be something bigger going on. I, I don't know what it is, but that's what it feels like to me for sure. Like, like I said, we're living in a very strange moment where it seems like everything is coalescing and um, in the near future, there's going to be um, something going on. That uh, Doesn't that, doesn't it feel like, like to you, like there's, some kind of major change on the horizon, some whatever it is. I, I have no idea what angle it's going to come from, but everything is so chaotic right now, but it seems like it's all going towards the same point. Yeah, man. I mean, that's what that's what I intuitively feel. And, you know, I have intuitively felt that for a while, that in our lifetimes that's where we were headed. And I know that a lot of my friends and people that I'm close with have also felt that for a long time. And it feels like right now, you know, we're getting closer and closer and it's very imminent. Um, now, what is that? I have no idea, dude. I don't know anything. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a musician and an artist from upstate New York. What do I actually know? But you know, I've had very strong intuitions in my life about all sorts of stuff, um, you know, like basic and big. And whenever the intuition is very, very strong and there's a lot of synchronicity, as Carl Jung used to say about the synchronicity, it's just meaningful in a subjective way, it, it almost always pans out and ends up being true. So I don't know why I feel this strongly about something imminent happening um, as far as our world changing course somehow. <clears throat> but I do just feel that way, man. Um, could be I wrong, though. Talking. Could be wrong. What's that? I think totally could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. You really have to kind of think, um, you know, it's interesting for sure to think about all this stuff and uh, to – and to pay attention to the moment we're living in. But we, I think there's so much more that is going on that we couldn't even possibly understand. Um, even if we saw it, um, we probably wouldn't recognize it. It's like there's so much going on behind the scenes that we can't control. And um, that's kind of been my perspective. It's like kind of that vent, that Zen philosophy of like, you're like floating down the river. Like the, the scenes change um, you do your best, and but you don't stress about anything. It's like this: all this stuff that's going on is extremely stressful to a lot of people. Um, but I was gonna say I um, I wish Terrence McKenna was alive right now because he he would know exactly how to explain this to you from his perspective. Um, he always uh, many times talked about not always, but many times I've heard him talk about this um, 
coalescing of events and time. And he called it the end of time, but uh, he predicted it would come in uh, 2012. Um, and he died, I think, in the 90s, so he never was alive for that. But if he was alive now, I think he would for sure have the same heightened feeling that you're feeling. And, well, uh, you know what's interesting about the quote-unquote end of time, and I have goosebumps all over my body, is if you look into um, what the quantum Internet is, just look into the quantum Internet, and again, it's, you know, it's theories. It's not out there in the open science where the entire scientific community has peer-reviewed and proved it, so it's not 100% for a fact, so again, it might be bullshit and not be real. But if you look into the quantum internet, the theory goes like this, that when, that essentially what the quantum internet and the quantum computers will have the ability to do is to travel in time. And the idea is that... um, Particles exist in quantum entanglement and in quantum superposition. So that's right now an electron in my left toe could be an electron in Chris Brown's, uh, you know, hair follicle. And they're not bound by the same laws of time and space that we currently know of. And so the idea is that when the quantum Internet comes out and the quantum computer comes out, that it's going to eradicate the the our perception of time we're going to be able to travel back and forth in time somehow with the quantum internet and the quantum computer and we're going to be able to have essentially like mind reading devices it sounds really crazy and really alien and i'm not articulate enough to be able to explain it but look into it bro it's literally fascinating it's incredible and so part of the whole Again, it might be total propaganda and bullshit, but part of the QAnon conspiracy theory, part of the part of the thing in there is that the military has, you know, the military, and this part at least is a fact, the military has, uh, is like 30 years in the future as far as technology is concerned. And so they've had something called Project Looking Glass or Operation Looking Glass, I forget which one it is, for a while with these like quantum computers. And so they're able to see using quantum computing, essentially future possibilities because they're able to like crunch so much data so fast, so ridiculous and having the access to, to future possibilities. Um, and so part of the QAnon conspiracy is that, that with the quantum computer and the quantum internet, that that apparently Elon Musk wants to give to the world via Starlink. That's why SpaceX has been doing the Starlink thing. Um, that there that that Donald Trump, which by the way, I think that this could be the propaganda aspect of it for sure. That Donald Trump is trying to take down the evil satanic pedophile cult that runs the world and creates the vast majority of the societal problems and inequality and war and violence. Donald Trump's not on their team. He's trying to take them down using the quantum internet and, and the, you know, these time traveling devices. 
is able to crunch the possibilities in 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 the future and already has been victorious taking down this pedophile cult and is going to not totally free humanity but free us up from the tyranny that is under the surface and is, has existed for you know a very long time by like people like the royal family who has been in who has been in power for 37 generations, dude, 1,200 years worth of barbaric, violent, incest family. This is in their DNA, and yet we think, we just, like, ignore it and pretend like they're just this benevolent people over there, you know? Even though the the head of the CIA has said that uh, the Queen of England is definitely briefed on CIA business. So... I don't know, bro. It's really fascinating, but I got that because you said the end of time, and I I didn't know that Terrence McKenna said that, um, and I just have been looking into this quantum internet and quantum computing thing, so it's very interesting. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot to be said about, um, you know, I'm not an expert in quantum physics. I've I'm interested in it because it's it's a fascinating subject. Uh, to talk about, but, um, you know, it hasn't been very long since, uh, I think it was in the forties or fifties, um, that this, this aspect of our reality was kind of discovered and, and they started trying to figure out what it was. Um, but, uh, that, that, that's a strange thing to me, uh, to talk about. It's hard to wrap your, your arms around it because it's such a vast subject, but, um, the way I kind of think about it um, and try to relate it to myself is, um, you know, there's been, as long as there's been stargazers and people looking out into space at night, you know, they're looking and looking and looking out further and further and they're trying to see what is out there and they're trying to see what, how far it goes and uh, is it infinite and they're looking kind of for the end. Is there an end to the universe? And, um, as far as our own physical reality is, it's like we are very close to the end of our universe. If we just go, instead of looking outward, we look downward into this kind of, you know, you, you know, you, everything is made of molecules, made of atoms, made of protons, neutrons, and then uh, you get further and further and further down until you get to uh, the smallest indivisible thing they have now. I'm not sure what it's called, but I know that from those reading, it's kind of popping in and out of existence. And after that, you have this weird quantum realm where um, Newtonian physics does not apply anymore. Like all the rules we know about our physical world, they don't apply to anything that goes on in this weird energy. And all of that energy is kind of pushing through us and it's kind of holding everything together, it seems. So whatever is going down in that weird quantum energy realm, um, we're just you know, we haven't even scratched the surface of what's happening down there. And already it's like the stuff that, you know, what they're going to be able to do, I think, once they're able to harness some of that energy is who knows what they can do. You know, that's where kind of everything is tied up, it seems. That's where um, maybe that is what is where everything springs from. Maybe that's where the source of everything is. Who knows? And maybe that's where maybe those scientific discoveries 
are going to drastically change our planet. And that's what we're really feeling. Like, I know the conspiracy theories and the, like, all of it and, like, the shadow war between factions of power is very interesting and entertaining and movie-like. But maybe what we're really feeling as far as this drastic change that's coming is actually a scientific one um, because of these discoveries of quantum physics, bro. I mean, it's entirely possible. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. That's what I always tell myself. But it's, it's interesting to look at from a dispassionate perspective. You know what you're yes. talking about, but how you were talking about how everyone is so emotional and and people are so emotional emotional because they're invested in these ideas that they're they cling to. Yeah. Um, I think it's I think it's it, it's good habit to try to not cling to your ideas. You know, it's like there's it's not wrong to have a perspective, a developed, healthy perspective, but you you can't shut out people who you don't agree with. I think yeah. people who don't agree with you, their perspective is invaluable to your own perspective because if you're, if you're just talking to other people who agree with you, then um, you're just in this awful echo chamber and none of your own ideas get challenged. So, um, yeah. yeah, like you, who knows what these ideas are, but try to adopt. That would be my advice to someone. Yeah, and what's really interesting um, is because of the adopt, way that I've – wait, what would you say? I was just going to say try to adopt a more dispassionate look at it and just just take information in, compare information. Uh, there's always going to be bias in every new source you get. So if you're only listening to bias, uh, your own bias, then, you know, try to add a little bit more um, – listen to people who you hate, listen to people who you completely disagree with, but listen to it dispassionately. And if there are facts that you missed, you know, if there's if 95% of what you're saying is garbage and 5% is truth, you can integrate that truth into your own perspective. And then you become more, um, more centered and more um, able to see things from a, a zoomed out perspective. Yeah. I mean, that's why I think like this phone call to friends platform for me is very important is because I think it shows that side of things and it's like actually who I really am like just having the phone calls with friends but because like I've noticed you know I put those things online just like the most outlandish version of my view from the most like I'm just being silly almost just like not even totally serious as far as what it sounds like but like we're just talking in just straight language and words on a status like no one really knows no one really knows who you are from that you know because at the end of the day i am i totally agree with you bro about being dispassionate um and i completely am it's not like i go i walk around the world the whole time like my whole life like thinking about this shit like in this emotional whirlwind of conspiracies and covid and black lives matter i like mostly just, you know, like, take care of my son, do my work, make my music, and, and that's it. Like, and I'm very balanced and have a great life, bro. The Internet's my place where I express it and try to have a dialogue. But, yeah, dude, like, totally agree. Like, I think everyone is better, better, better served. The entire world is better served if you just remain balanced and unemotional about things and just be down to be wrong. 
Yeah, I, th- I think there is um, there's um, there has to be um, there's a difference between being dispassionate in the way you not caring and not right. So like the caring part comes in and doing things and your action is a vital part of uh, the puzzle, but you know, your action should be based on dispassionate information. So it's, um, it's important to know what's actually happening and to question, question the, the main narrative. When everyone is saying one thing, I'm always like, well, what's not being said. I think if more people, um, looked at that part that's not being said, they can balance their information and their actions will change because they they um they got good information that wasn't you know, propaganda can sneak in, you know, very uh, very easily, you know, and it's and sometimes it it, it can be invisible to people. Yeah. Um so so what are your what are your actions doing after, you know, you you get your good information? I think that's the next Step. and some people will, will go out and protest and that's awesome everyone I think has that right um, that's what we were talking about is opposing a narrative you know if you're protesting that's what you're doing um, when things get violent um, I disagree with that um, you know obviously you're not going to get rid of violence obviously passions will flare over very sensitive um, subjects like uh, the killing of George Floyd which was horrific Um that uh, what's happening right now uh, in America, I think, with uh, Black Lives Matter and the protests and um, some of the rioting, it's all mixed together, and everyone will have their own um, tribal perspective on what's happening. Um, and it's difficult to look, listen to the other side when you're so um, full of passion for uh, for something like this. You know, it's, uh, it's completely understandable uh, to be, you know, I'm white. I'm your like my mom is European. Like I don't. It would be harder for me to get any whiter. Um, but I think it's uh, important to listen to the perspectives of these other, um, the other ideas from other perspectives, like um, um, listening to people in your life. You know, if you have black friends, talk to them about it for sure, um, and um, try to understand different ways of life and. You know, my life has been very easy um, compared to most people in the world um, and compared to a lot of black Americans. It's like um, that's kind of what my perspective has been for for a while. It's like realizing how good I have it compared to most people. And if I have more than I need, you know, can I give some of it away? Can I, can I generate more resources to do uh to do good for other people, and that's what my project is right now. Um, that's what Abendigo is. It's um, trying to raise uh, resources to do to do what I can to help the people who have less than me. And right. Um, that's, right. for me, that's, that's my action after trying to get all the information I had. And, of course, my, my perspective is always changing. And you have to be flexible, but like, what does this project mean to me? And that's kind of what it is. It is um, caring about other people, uh, not just yourself. I think that's what will bring us all together. Yeah, dude, I agree. Um, To speak to one of your points, too, is, I I mean, I've said it a lot, probably on phone calls with friends, 
and probably many other places that I think the truth in general is always somewhere in the middle. Like nothing is black and white. It's just infinite shades of gray. And so on this particular issue, um, you know, people take, not just on this one, but like people take such hard line stances on shit instead of just being like, oh, the truth might be in the middle. So like, can let me actually try to hold, if I'm hard, I'm on the hard line over here, maybe I can try to hold this completely opposite viewpoint in my head as well. And then from that, those two ideas will find me where the truth is in the middle. And I mean, there was some some famous quote, I forget who said it, but it was like the mark of true intelligence is being able to hold opposing viewpoints and not go insane. I yeah, really do. I think that was Socrates, I think, that said that. I, I don't that, know who that said is, it. I don't know who said it, but no, that's, sure. it's, right. I, I think it's so legit. And it's like because we're all probably a little right and a little wrong. And if we can all just do that and come together under like that idea, being like, okay, we all have viewpoints. We're probably all a little right. We're probably all a little wrong. And let's focus on what, like you just said, what we can actually do that we personally feel passionate about to make the world better. And it really just comes down to compassion and us helping each other. And so I totally agree with you, bro. I'm so privileged that it's ridiculous. And it's not you know, it's not like just because I'm white, that might be part of it, but I'm much more privileged than a lot of white people are. And so, you know, like I feel it's my duty and I'm on a mission to use that, my gifts, my time, my talents to, like you said, raise resources to help as many people as I can. Um, but we just live in this weird world, bro, where until you actually do it, until you actually make a big grand splash and statement, you get no credit for it. It's like, just cause I'm not out protesting. If I were to put up online, like I'm not going to protest the angry social media mob would come after me calling me a racist. A kid did it to me the other day online. Like <laughs> He literally went crazy on me. On someone else's status because, like, are you out protesting, blah, 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 blah. I was like, no, man, like, that's just not, it's just that, not what I, not, I don't feel passionate about that. I feel passionate about making mission-driven music and changing the systemic racism that exists in the music industry. You know, that's like a real thing. The same companies that invest in the private prison system also invest in, um, the major music industry companies. So therefore, it's probably not a coincidence that billions of dollars since uh, the 90s have been invested into gangster rap music to glorify uh, drugs, violence, murder, so that they can keep this whole school-to-prison pipeline sustainable and their private prisons can make money and their music industry can make money. And so like stuff like that, I feel very passionate about changing that. And so that's my own little slice that that I want to take care of. And I feel like I'm uniquely passionate about and gifted with the change. And music can also raise an insane amount of resources. And so, like, I think we should all just stop yelling at each other about the role we're playing and 
just all just do our role. You know, that's how I feel. If you want to protest, awesome. Exercise your rights. Protest. That doesn't mean that I'm not down with the movement, and it doesn't mean I don't support that. It doesn't mean that I'm a racist. It just means I'm feeling called to do something else. Yeah, I agree with that. I, um, I, you know, there's no protests going on in my area or anything like that, but I don't think I would go to one either. And I think I would, a lot of people would criticize me for, for that. But, um, I, I, I agree with what you said that, um, if you're just keeping your head down and, and doing, following your own passion to make things better, um, there's no shame in that. And, uh, I think people should be investing some of their time and and leaving the world in a better place uh, than it was. Um, But, um, you know, there's, there's no, that's, there's no reason why you can't be doing your own small thing to make things better. And it might not align with what other people are doing, but the two things merge at some point. Um, well, and, and, and it can also be completely silent that no one knows, dude. Like, why? Like, why is it that if you, as a Bendigo, makes a project on the internet on YouTube and you generate millions of dollars and you make these splashes and you show yourself on the internet helping homeless people, why is that somehow more valuable than if you literally never post a video ever your entire life? Yeah, you give away, you pay for basically your basic necessities, your food, your water, your dwelling, and then you give 100% of the rest of what you can in silent in a way that no one could ever know or ever see, and you're constantly being like a little Jesus in the world. Why is that any less valuable? It's not. It's, it's, it's equally the same amount of goodness, it's the positive energy and the love you're putting into the the world will have an effect whether you can see it or know it or not. And so I just think it's the yeah. same amount of value and that like people should stop judging each other when they don't know shit. No one knows shit about you and what you do in your everyday life. No one knows anything. And so I thought about that a lot recently because I just put out the, the that song a couple weeks ago called Worry Not where I basically like I put all of my darkness and all of my shit into a song. I'm like, Here's the shitty human being I used to be. Here's all of my sins. Actually, I couldn't fit them all in a song. I think I'm going to have to do part two and part three. But I I could. Just write a whole album about how shitty you are. Like, just write a whole album. I'm sitting there, I'm like, I can't fit this all. And if I want to make it storytelling and not just, like, going from one thing to the next to the next with no continuity. I, like, I can't even put it all in one song, so I'm going to have to do it in two or three songs. But um, So I put that out there, and the whole idea is supposed to be, yo, look at all of your shit, forgive yourself for it, do the best that you can to make good by it, but understand that transformation is possible, that you can, don't worry about it, own it, take responsibility for it and then become better and help as many people use it as your testimony, use it as fuel for you to become better and to help people. So like that was the the intention of the song was like showing people like, yo, you can be a shithead. Like it's not to tell you to be a shithead. It's like, yo, we've all been shitheads. 
just be honest about it. In fact, I've healed it to the point where I can be so honest about it that I can just put it out there. And it's okay. I got like a message from, from, most of the feedback from it was good, but I got a message from someone that I consider a really good friend, like someone that I would never expect to send this message and was like, I think this song's so misguided. How can you possibly put this out? Like, he was going pretty hard on me. Um, and in the same series of messages was like making a lot of judgments about me that he didn't, knew nothing about. Uh, you know, it's like, I was like, bro, I didn't say this, but I was like, you don't know what my day-to-day life is like. You don't know the amount of people that I help. You don't see the things that I do when no one's looking. You don't know how much I care about a homeless person, like truly love them and care about them. You don't know how I feel when, like, I look at a black person. You don't know how I feel about the sketchy things I've done. You don't know what I've done to try to make good by those things or my intention to make good by them on an even way bigger level than I need to when I have the ability to. But you're just coming at me and judging me for this song. So, like, it, it, I was one where I had to really, like, take a deep breath and not let it like affect me because like bro i love this person he just like i i felt really judged by it. yeah yeah so yeah, i think uh, i think you're right about that and I, we've talked about you know you just said a lot but we've talked about that before is um is what is the most important thing you can do and for me that answer is reaching out to the people around me that i love and i care about um, trying to understand them in a way that, you know, is looking past their faults and, you know, um, trying to magnify the good things about them. When you start looking at people like that and start treating them like you actually see them and care about them, your whole relationship can change. It can go from something that was dry and almost dead to something that, um, you know, it springs to life. Um, and you actually start connecting with these people and, um, and your life is better for it. And it doesn't even, it's not even just friends and family. You already know it's the stranger on the street who was sleeping on uh, a bench and, you know, you offer them a sandwich and you smoke a cigarette with them in silence. So they eat their food and their life for that moment was, drastically changed uh someone actually saw them and cared about them and it takes so little effort on our part you know many of us including me have more than we need and it so it doesn't take much it just takes a willing mind um and of course there there are things you need to do to protect your own self and to be careful about certain situations but um those small acts, like you said, are just as valuable as, you know, helping one person is, is just as valuable as helping 100 million people. You know, most people will never get to that point um, where they can, they have enough reach or influence to reach that many people. Um, but if you're doing things on the small scale, um, just having that attitude will change your life completely and uh, for the better. For sure, I, I completely agree with that. That's been my experience, 100%. Yeah, dude, that's a really good point you make, is that most, the vast majority of humans on the planet 
will never achieve a level where they can help a shitload of people. So the question shouldn't be like it shouldn't so like that almost shouldn't even be a thought in anyone's mind. Most people probably won't even achieve a level not that they can't but they probably won't achieve a level that they can't even like financially do anything significant to help a number of people. So the question should become like, okay, what are the tiny little actions that I can do that make a difference? So how do I know what makes a difference? Well, what makes me feel good? When someone else like genuinely listens to me and asks me how my day was, or like when I'm in a bad mood and someone knows it, they just go out of their way to do the tiniest little act of kindness or thoughtful thing. Well, just start doing that shit then. You know, I've personally, in, in like with homeless people specifically, Instead of, like, out of guilt or uh, whatever, just, like, throwing them a 20, like, how about, like, sit down and ask them their story and talk to them and befriend them? They probably would care. That that would probably, like, make them feel much better um, than just, like, handing them a 20 and then their survival thing and shit's getting triggered and, you know. I was, uh, I met a man on the train. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, I'll just finish real quick. And if this quantum level of existence is real and things are happening on a quantum level that we don't, we don't, science hasn't caught up with yet. So like maybe those tiny little things are actually manifesting a new earth, are actually manifesting the place that we want to go to, are actually like tangibly having a, an effect on the world around you in a way that you can't even see and just we because science can't prove yet yeah 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 i think uh that that quantum energy is is uh that's kind of how i think about it everything is springing out of that and that's what's holding everything together and in that area of reality that we have no idea what it is we don't understand it that seems to be the source of what's happening in our reality, the source of whatever power there is. Um, I think a lot of people call that God. I don't know what it is, uh, but I, I sense it's there. And uh, my personal view is um, through that connection, we're all connected. And everything that happens here in this reality is, is connected together. And any sense of separation is uh, just a very persistent illusion. Um, yeah. And I think, I think music for me personally, I'm a musician, I'm an artist, I paint as well. And, um, but music for me has always been uh, my thing. And, uh, I think that music is the only sort of, you know, we, I honestly kind of think of music as magic. It just can, it can have such an insane, um, effect on your emotion and on your mood and it can change your perspective on something that you never thought about before and you know music is powerful it can it uh, connects people together into large groups uh you know if you uh you've been to big concerts before you kind of get that when everyone is on the same page mentally it's it's like this weird group mind emerges and uh, you see Christopher, that hold up a second Christopher, hold up a second uh, no, no, this goes. I'm on actually a podcast right now. It goes a lot. No, it goes along with the podcast right now. A, a guy stopped in the middle of the street. What do you need, man? What's up? What's going on over where? Oh, just they're cutting down the trees. I don't really know, man. Yeah, I don't. I, they've been doing it ever since uh, 
April. They've just been like cutting down the trees over there. I don't know really know what they're doing. Yeah, I don't. Well, I think it's a person's house. I don't. I don't really know what they're. Uh, I don't know, man. Your guess is as good as mine. I want to grow food over there, though. Help, help. It would be good to grow food, right? We got to start like a community garden. Wouldn't that be sick? Yeah. Well, let's do it. Do you live in Saratoga? Yeah. Nice to meet you, dude. You have a good day. Spread the love. <laughs> Sorry. A guy randomly stopped me outside the house. You cut me off in the middle of a rant. I was really going there for a second. I know. So Yeah, no, I was listening, though. Sorry, he was, like, really trying to get my attention. Anyway. Quantum yeah, energy. So I was just music. saying how I... Music. I, it's a real... Music. For me, that is, that's my tool of choice. You know, I like visual art as well. Um, but the Abendigo project is definitely going to be combining a lot of music with a lot of visual stuff and try to try to be focusing on, on people who inspire me. And uh, I think uh, for me, music, like I was saying, it can, it can link people together in a way that, that nothing else can. And um, so my perspective is, you know, what, what can I do if I have talent? Am I using my talent? Um, if I have resources, am I using my resources for um, looking out for other people and not just myself? Yeah. Um, because uh, if we're all connected and all of this, everything we do um, changes uh, our surroundings, then there's no separation between me and everyone else. It's like I am everyone else. So if I'm if I'm terrible to someone else, I'm being terrible to myself. And uh, that perspective has changed me a lot. Yeah, man, I totally agree on all of the points. Music, for sure. Obviously, I'm in the same wavelength with. Dude, I just really think music is such a change maker, such a connector of people, such a it is so important to our world. I mean, because it affects me personally. That's how I know. And so, you know, I've been on that path for a while. Um, but I actually think that if there were some sort of crazy conspiracy, evil cabal of people, like I feel like they know this stuff, dude. <laughs> like, I feel like they understand that we're all connected. I feel like they know. And so they keep us divided on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Purposeful division for sure. That's happening. Um, I mean, that's not a new tactic at all. That's, that's a, that's been used for a long time. It's the people, the people that you are ruling are divided against each other. They're not paying attention to what you're doing. Um, they're busy fighting each other. That, that is a long established tactic. And if, if people don't realize that's happening right now, then then uh, then that's that's a major thing you're miss you know you're you're not seeing, and that will definitely change your perspective. Every once in a while, someone will say they're trying to divide us against each other, and it's working. But like people don't hear that message very well when they're so deep in their emotions. Well, what's so interesting, bro, is I feel like I've seen people that understand that concept fully understand it, fully can understand the historical implications of it, can look at history and understand that that's a thing, could even like be like, yeah, I know that goes on now, but yet their emotional response about the current climate is so strong that they like that is just overpowering everything. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I watched uh, Dave Chappelle's um, 
I think it's 856. Um, you know, he just put out, um, it wasn't a stand-up show. It was, he was more just talking about the current events. It was very powerful. Um, so there's, uh, there's, in some ways, you know, there's, uh, I completely understand, um, people reacting like this and, um, it was a horrible thing and I don't think it should ever happen to anyone for sure. Um, whatever changes need to happen, you know, uh, for it not to happen again, um, I, uh, I support those changes. Um, but the perspective is easily lost um, amid all the propaganda, you know, and it, it would be, I think, I think it would, uh, it would be a mistake to not believe some of it is propaganda. I guess that's how I would put it. Do you, I'm just saying gut reaction. I'm saying don't like, you don't have to be right. Your gut feeling. Do you think COVID and now this Black Lives Matter, do you think it's election related? Um, oh, I think everything is caught up in politics now, but um, I don't think, I mean, if George Floyd had not been killed, then um, that's kind of what set everything off. It's not like it happened in a vacuum or anything. And there's been many other, uh, a lot of other police brutality that has been leading up to this point. It's not like it just all occurs in a vacuum. Everything is kind of tied together. But well, I know, but dude, but dude, this might so hold, this hold on real quick. I get that. And the nature of the video is so egregious. I mean, it's literally, you can watch the entire act go down. You can literally watch him be murdered, like in per, like you have the perfect angle of it. And so I said the angle of it, the things he said, like all of that, I could see how that alone could cause people's visceral and emotional reactions, especially in a time where they're not working, they're just watching shit on the internet, kind of like nervous and scared about maybe the future and what's going to go on with their money. And uh, So I could see how that, just that alone, could potentially tip the scales into what, what it is. Um, but we also, again, remaining completely dispassionate in this same conversation, we did talk about how certain powerful influences have infinite money to 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 affect action and to affect people's psychology online. And so to think there aren't political forces or forces in the world that are going to take a completely uh, random happening like George Floyd and use it to their advantage, I think is silly and foolish. And so... I think it is entirely possible that when that goes down and it comes out that there are forces that could push it very, very hard on the Internet, force things like the show must be paused in, on Tuesday, the blackout Tuesday, push it so that you inflame the people's emotions. I think there's forces on this earth that could absolutely turn up the heat on any issue for better or for worse. And so I yeah, think it is, it is possible that that is going on here because of, for political reasons. 
Well, for sure. I mean, I think what you're saying is right. The people uh, in charge, the people who have power and want to keep power, you know, even if they don't start something um, on purpose, um, they can always look at a situation and say, how can we use this to our advantage? Um, and, and that's what I was saying. When everything is political now, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. Every issue seems to be political and uh, the lines are being drawn and things are becoming less gray. Everything is black and white and uh, on both sides of the the spectrum. uh, The nuance of situations is just disappearing and I think it is because of um, in some some point to in some part to uh, what you were saying about you know the people uh, in charge turning up the heat on a situation to try to use it to their advantage. Um, but that's, yeah. that's, that's with every situation that happens. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. uh, that's the kind of situation where they say, uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And power will also corrupt. So it's like when you get in, when you, when you get your hands on the, the leverage of power, then you will try to do what you can to hold on to it. And, um, that's definitely a tactic to use, dividing people against each other. So, and, um, what, so what you're saying about the hands of power, you're going to try to keep it. All, <laughs> all I'm hearing when you say that, for some reason, all I'm hearing, Christopher, is that if Donald Trump wins the election in QAnon, that conspiracy theory is actually real, and Donald Trump actually tries to expose the satanic pedophile cult, that that's when they're going to get desperate and do the fake alien invasion? Uh, <laughs> that's what you're saying? The fake alien invasion, yeah. That, um, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, who knows what's going to happen with this election, but, you know, I don't think that the election will solve any of these problems we're having. Um, the underlying problem, I think, needs to be solved in whatever way. And if you believe that um, there is this dark, mysterious, uh, force working in the shadows which um, I don't know what form it takes but of course that there is an element to that force there are people always pulling strings okay hold um, on hold the- on stop stop there real quick let's go to the other side because you and I absolutely we know that we I believe that 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 is what's really going on so let's for a second do the thing that we're saying other people should do let's pretend that's a hundred percent bullshit and that's not right. what's going on in our world at all. What is then the underlying issue that we need to solve? Because there's lots of problems, and they must stem from somewhere. It seems like all these problems are symptoms of an underlying issue. And so if it's not the crazy, satanic, evil, cabal conspiracy, which it might not be, because what do we fucking know? What <laughs> is the thing that needs to be solved? What is the problem? Why why is there enough food to feed 18 billion people but we don't but still half of the world doesn't have fucking food? Why is there still no clean water? Why is it, what what the fuck dude? Like so what is the actual if it's not the crazy cabal conspiracy that seems to make total sense and would would be like if that came out you'd be like oh shit now the world I'm living in makes total sense. If it's not fucking that what is it? I'm down to entertain it. Like what is it? Yeah, I mean, like this is 
this is human nature on a global scale. You know, there's things uh, as society kind of gels together and things start progressing with technology. All of this starts being possible. Is the uh, the level of power you can achieve rises as as the world becomes a smaller place. So at some point, there's going to be you know, people, you know, I, I try to follow everything, like I said. Um, I've I've listened to and and uh, read QAnon stuff. I read stuff on the far right, on the, um, you know, conservatives, regular center right, all across the spectrum down to complete socialist communists on, on the far end, the far left. I think reading everything and trying to get a grasp on everything, at least in kind of a, um, a surface level sense, so you're more well-informed, for sure that's important. And that's um, it's a mistake to dismiss what a huge group of people are saying just because you don't agree with it. So when I listen to and read QAnon stuff, um, some of it makes sense to me. Some of it seems like total bullshit. Propaganda. But some of it seems what, like propaganda. Right. So they're saying some really ridiculous stuff. But I do agree that there is a, a group of shadowy people that are trying to change America and set it in a completely different direction. And but those you think this is are, just but you also think that that could just be a symptom of the human condition of we're living in a world with technology and economic systems that might have just like slowly but surely over the course of time became a certain way and we're living in a world where the human condition is more of the thing that needs to solve and like changing the human heart is well, I mean, I don't, I don't think you're going to change humans, but you can definitely change their perspective. And you say, what is the answer? I've been thinking a lot about this. I think the answer is to, in whatever healthy way we can to dissolve our preconceptions, dissolve our, um, our, our mental barriers and let information come in. And I think that's why I'm so interested in uh, Terrence McKenna, and I'm also interested in, um, like, what happened in America when a bunch of hippies started smoking pot, and they, they were they were dropping crazy tabs of acid, and they were hallucinating, and they were uh, they didn't get more violent. I'm sure they were. Uh, I'm sure they were very violent um, hippies. You know, <laughs> few and far between. There must, there must have been one. But for the most part, they all just suddenly started loving each other, and uh, and they were um, really looked down on uh, by by the people who were in power. Um, and one of the things that gave me a good perspective on this was watching um, the the uh, documentary on Netflix called Woods, uh, Woodstock. I think it was just called simply Woodstock. But like the events that happened there, I think something like 400,000 people were gathered together all smoking weed and dropping tabs of acid. They were listening to music. Um, but no one was fighting. No one was, uh, you would you would imagine crazy things would go on with such a huge group of people. But this, their whole mentality was loving each other. And um, kind of that, that hippie, there's a lot of uh, weird residual stuff in our, in our psyches about hippies and stuff like that. But um, I honestly think that, uh, I don't know. Maybe everyone should eat a few mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I mean, you know that I agree. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, you know what's interesting is everyone that says like that. I'll, first of all, my entire circle of people, mostly, is on this same trajectory as far as being dispassionate, loving everyone, doing the best that you can. Let's make a new earth. But what I have noticed is the thread that binds all of them. The one thing all because even psychedelics they don't all have in common. Not everyone that I know that is on that wavelength has done psychedelics. So everyone that has done psychedelics in that in that circle will say exactly what you just said. Maybe I've tried to do some mushrooms and smoke some weed. But the thing that is absolutely the common thread through all of those fucking people, and it's a lot of people, is a, some sort of spirituality. It's like some sort of relationship with spirituality, whether you want to call it God, whether you just want to call it the universe, whether you want to call it, no, it doesn't even matter what you call it. You could be a Christian, you could be any, you could be a Buddhist, you could be down with the Bhagavad Gita and the Upanishads, doesn't matter. Because everyone, the common thread isn't the path of spirituality, but the common thread between literally 100% of them is the spiritual aspect of things. And it seems like if you put the effort into exploring that realm and dimension of life, that all of this stuff just starts to like become part of your worldview and of your way of being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um that's such an interesting point about religion and spirituality. And it reminds me of something that I was listening to a Terrence lecture, Terrence McKenna lecture, and he was talking about a um a meeting of all these um someone arranged a meeting. I don't remember the specific details, but someone had arranged a meeting of all these different religious leaders from all different spectrums and walks of life. Uh, they wanted to have like a three-day conference. And um, in the beginning, uh, they were uh, very passionately for their religion and they were all for it. And in the end, I'm sure they were too. But he said by day three, they were they were all on the same page. You know, there were certain specific things that they didn't believe in other religions, but there seems to be this underlying thing that um, I don't think that I don't think the thing is religion specifically. I think the thing is spirituality, like you were talking about, um, is mm-hmm. sensing that there's something bigger going on, sensing that you are not a divided person against reality. You are part of it. It is you. And um, that's my perspective right now. I, I, I get the strong feeling and that's what's driving me. Uh, that's what's changing me for the better. I think is um, realizing, uh, like I said before, that um, if we zoom down and or if we zoom smaller and smaller and smaller into this weird quantum realm, and maybe there's other stuff going on as well, but there seems to be this source that we're all connected through. And that, that source is, is kind of the, um, that's what religion and spirituality springs out of. And yeah. through that, we're all connected. I think not being completely set in your ways mentally, even with religion, like I come out of a very strict Christian Baptist background and I enjoy speaking to my family and um, pastor of the church I'm a member of, and uh, he's willing to talk to me about things, but um, many people um, are 
closed-minded to what they to other things they don't believe in. I think you should always leave the the door open a little bit and let other information come in, even if you really truly believe something. And be ninety nine percent sure. Be ninety nine percent sure, but leave that one percent open uh, for new discovery. And um, a lot of very religious people don't think that way. Uh, they think they're a hundred percent sure, so everything else is wrong. And I, I don't think that's a healthy perspective. That's well, I don't need. Do you, Do you think? Do you think you can you can be a hundred and not open and live the most optimized life? Still, or do you think the people that are are one hundred like that are actually they're just saying they're like they're they're emotionally one hundred, but they're like actually their being isn't one hundred. Like they're they're actually just clinging to something that is off, and it's the same thing as people who post emotional shit on you know a status of mine who aren't looking at the big picture either. Or do you think you can? be a hundred on like Christianity like your parents are and actually live the most optimized way. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know for sure about that, but I, I can say that even if you're a hundred percent sure about something, that doesn't make you right. You know, you could be completely convinced that something is a hundred percent right and still be very, very wrong, even though you believe it truly. Yeah. yeah. And that, that perspective is lost on people who believe 100% in their religion. It's uh, it's when people dedicate their whole lives to a certain perspective and they feel like if they start entertaining something else, then all this time has been wasted and I've been living a sham or something like that. Or or they get convinced that if they lose 100% faith in something, that their God will judge them or something like that. And uh, I, I guess I just don't think that way. I think what you were talking about before, and I think with Socrates, is is having two positions simultaneously living, a superposition of opinions or or perspectives, and believing or you know having them both in your head, um, and they they're competing with each other, but they're not tearing you apart. You're just kind of looking at the two different perspectives in a somewhat dispassionate way. And yeah. I, I understand that religion is not a dispassionate thing. I understand that. Um, but I think um, many people just follow religion and don't actually live, you know, the way that they're, they claim to, you know, the things they believe. It's all kind of surface level anyway. Yeah. So it's like, wouldn't, wouldn't you rather be living a productive life, you know, and, and helping your friends, your family, um, your society, um, your country, you know, the world, uh do something that will help that and leave it better than than it was when you found it. And if you do that, then um, that should be your, I think that's a good perspective to have, whatever your spirituality is. And right. it's not well, like there are no good Muslims or uh, Hindus or Christians or, you know, all across the board, you know, there's good people wherever you look. Yeah. And it's just, if you just focus on the specific religion and the dogma of the religion, you're going to disagree in a way that can't get past. And I think that's a mistake. Yeah, dude. Like I just think, cause you know, you, you, you'll completely get this is cause you've read the Bhagavad Gita and the Bible and the Upanishads, you know, like think about the average Christian who's a hundred on Christianity 
There's not 99, there are 100. If they were to just be open-minded enough, they don't have to believe it, but just be open-minded enough to pick up the Western version of the Bhagavad Gita, you know, the one that uses like totally American terms that you can understand, and just read it. There, There's no possible way that they would not be triggered into some sort of like, oh, wow, this is very similar to the Bible. That's very biblical. That's very biblical. That's very biblical. Oh, that's that's biblical in a way I didn't even know. It. I didn't even know that the Bible was maybe saying it like that. Oh, my gosh, that thing in the Bible now makes so much sense. I know that because it happened to me. And so I just wish, like, people would just be open-minded enough to just try shit. Like, just be curious enough. You can totally think it's bullshit after you read it. Like, God loves you, right? Just read it. Just read the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. The the one that's that I have, it's 150 pages and is just totally Americanized. Like, read it. And I think yeah. that if enough people did that, right? And so, the, But not just Christians. The other way, too. People who are 100 on yoga or bhakti yoga or 100 on the Bhagavad Gita, like, read the Bible. And you'll see that it's saying the same shit. It's saying the exact same thing. It's just different yeah. stories, different narrative, different perspective of the truth. It's like if the truth is like an object in the middle, you're just looking at it from a different angle. And it happened with different characters and different stories and different narratives. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that what you were saying is a, is a real shame that um that people who are so locked into their religious perspective they just discount anything else um as if it was meaningless and that's one of my criticisms with christianity or or I mean, because that's where i come from you know and the people i'm talking with christians i like to um i like to introduce them to a new idea and see what their perspective is or their reaction is to it and the idea it usually ends up being well the bible is the only true source of you know it's the only thing you need in this life um and the anything else is not worth reading because everything i need is here in this book and i think that's um that's not a great perspective uh like you said i read the upanishads and bhagavad gita and they are if nothing else, astonishing pieces of art. You know, the literature is amazing. And, you know, we're just, you know, we're just reading translations of another written language that was written many years after, you know, for a long time in the Upanishads, like the tradition was passed on, you know, orally. from per- person orally. And the same thing happened with the Bible for many, many hundreds of years. Um, stories were passed orally uh, from person to person before a single word of the Bible was ever written. And you have many generations of people passing these stories down, and this is what happened before, you know, writing um, became widespread. But there's always changes in the stories, you know, from person to person. There's embellishments. There's emotion involved because the stories are very, you know, we connected the stories. You know, the Bible... Uh, is full of stories that people connect to. And um, what you said about 
you know, finding other perspective is so is so important. And there's many reasons to do it. There's many, even if you don't believe it's true, you can look at um, the Upanishads as art. You can look at them as a way to connect to other people who disagree with your opinion, at least know what they're going to say, at least have some sort of background. If you read these texts yourself, you know, you can think about them by yourself and you can compare your perspective uh, to the new one that you just read about and see if there's any similarities, see, see where they see where they disagree and see, you know, try to form an opinion on why um, why the two things are different, either in, from a philosoph- uh, philosophical point or a factual point, whatever it is. But either way, you're going to be more prepared when you meet someone who has that Hindu perspective or um, Muslim perspective about yeah. Islam. What like, if what if all the Yeah. What if all of the spiritual perspectives were the ones that were wrong and we're living in a simulation and this is just some really elaborate video game? It's like this is the Sims, bro. This is literally Minecraft. <laughs> we're literally just living in the Sims right now. Like we're just the the programmer made us and the spirituality thing is just some shit and we don't really know and this is just a simulation. Yeah. But that's like I think that's just part of the ride. It's like we're never gonna know that while we're. Dude, I know. Life. I feel. I feel like having having that. To me, ever since I cultivated that, and like, okay, this is what I think it is. But then just being able to be like, oh well, we could be living in a simulation. That to me take like literally doing that took all of the burden off the the ride. Like it took all of the stress out of it to me, dude. Like it took all of the burden of I feel like when you're emotionally invested in your thoughts and your beliefs and your opinions it really is kind of like burdensome it really like makes your quality of life worse I know because it made my mental and quality of life worse second I was like all right the Bible could be real Bhagavad Gita could be real I love them both for these reasons this is what I think but like the second I added in oh we could be living in a simulation bro my life got so much better so much like more balanced because like it takes the burden off needing to know and it makes it fun. It makes it like, holy shit, this mystery is really fun. I don't need to know. I don't need to have all the answers. I can just feel into the whole thing. Like I can just feel it and have fun with it for what it is. Yeah. The mystery is appealing to me. So I like to try to find out about it. Like what is going on? But I think uh, my perspective has been, um, Definitely, and we talked about this before, this idea of uh, this the Zen kind of philosophy is not, not holding on to outcomes, not, you know, you act, act in a way that benefits other people, but don't act in a way where you're expecting a certain result. Just do your best, pay attention, and don't try to grasp onto anything. This idea of uh, the, the mountain lake and a goose flies over the lake reflected perfectly on the water. And the lake sees the goose, but it doesn't try to grab onto the reflection. It just lets it sail over. And um, I think letting life, letting, letting, giving up control a little bit. It's like do what you can, but everything else don't grasp onto it. Don't try to make something happen that's not going to happen. I think for me that has been very beneficial in my life is um, is, is uh, this way of thinking where, um, let let yourself move around in the live, in the river a little bit, but don't try to fight the current. Just go with the flow. 
Yeah, dude, um, honestly, I think I, I honestly personally believe like if if we are tapped into some sort of quantum realm, which all things spring spring out of and manifestations come from, and your thoughts somehow interface with that thing, I even think that you could potentially, in your trying to grasp on something, trying to take control of the situation, trying to push something in one direction could actually sabotage the thing that you want from manifesting from manifesting. So I almost actually think like maybe something would have happened that you wanted to happen, that you desired to happen. Maybe it would have if you let go of the control and you float downstream and you just allowed life to just take its course. I think that you can actually do harm like trying to hold on to shit. So that's what I've been thinking about a lot lately. Yeah, and I think – I think a lot of people base happiness. They try to find happiness in many different things. A lot of people go for um, expensive, nice, beautiful things. And there's nothing wrong with having those things for sure. But I don't think you should be basing your happiness on what you can get. I think you should be basing it on what you can do, um, how you can uh, improve a situation. But also um, there comes a point where, I think you can do even better than that. Like just let your happiness reside in the fact that you're alive, you're experiencing, you know, you're going to experience bad and good. But when you experience those things, look at them dispassionately. Um, And even if it's a good thing, um, there was a, there's a story of uh, a king who wanted, I think it was his jester um, to make something that would help him in bad times and in the good times, both. So the uh, jester made him a knife and carved on the hilt of the knife was the phrase, this too shall pass. So it's like when you're in a great time, just remember, you know, you're here, experience it, but like don't hold on to it. It will pass away. When you're in bad times, you know, you're here, it hurts. It's not good at all. It doesn't feel great, but this too shall pass. Just don't try to fight your way out of it. You know, do what you can and leave the rest up to you know, the flow of the river. Don't try to be, don't try to be the lake that's trying to grasp onto the goose. You're never going to, you're never going to grab it. You're never going to change um, the nature of what's happening to you uh, in any real way. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, I got to get going soon, but let's end the conversation with why we actually, what made me call you in the first place was you said that you had deja vu about, we didn't talk about that. You said you had deja vu about the current time period. Do you mean like in a butterfly butterfly effect kind of way? Or what did you mean by that? Uh, no, I think the butterfly effect is, is describing, you know, even something as small as the flutter of a butterfly's wings, like down the path of time can change and mount and start an avalanche and, that's not what I'm talking about. Well, but, but also, too, in the movie The Butterfly Effect, he keeps going and redoing the same situation over and over and over and over again to, like, until he optimizes it for the the outcome that he wants, which then, by the way, he realized the whole time that he couldn't really affect anyway and he had to float downstream and just let go. Yeah, um, I haven't – yeah, I, I, I've seen that movie, and for sure it's an interesting concept. Um but, like, what I was experiencing is, like, I've had regular deja vu where you just kind of get, like, a flash. And it's almost like a dream. Like, a minute later, you don't remember 
why you felt that way. And Asia Blue is a very strange thing by itself. But these are these are different. These are more like um, they're they're more like very extremely strong. They're like deja vu on steroids. This it's like a lasting kind of weird feeling that I've lived this moment before, and it kind of comes on to me randomly. Like there was a moment when I walked over the neighbor and I said, "Hey, can I talk to your? You know, can I go to your dog? He was on the uh, on the leash. He was in the backyard." And uh, and he told me no, and which was fine. It's his dog, whatever. But like that moment in particular was just like after I walked away, it just it just hanged on me so hard. It was like this weird, this weird coupling effect from from some other time where I did that exact same thing. Like I had lived that moment before. And uh, that's just like one like one example. And uh, what I was talking about yesterday it happened to me again. It's happened to me many times in the past couple of months. But yesterday it happened again. It's like I I was trying these. Um, I told you I was a painter, so I was trying these new backgrounds. I'm trying to do like a slow acrylic. So you know you can control a little bit in the beginning, but like it becomes completely randomized. It's like there's no way you could see how you know how it would turn out before you started. So I, I made this painting, this totally randomized painting, and I hated it at first. It was just so ugly. Like, there was just, a lot of it was, like, this blood red color, and there was silver and black kind of mixed in, and, like, this weird selling effect from the, the silicone I poured in uh, to the paint. And it's just, like, such a terrible painting, but I wanted to save the canvas. I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to throw the canvas away, so I just figured I'd just let it dry and i put it on the side. But then as, as I walked by it more and more, I just started liking it more and more. And there suddenly there was this feeling, this weird deja vu feeling of, that I'm telling you, I was telling you about, this super deja vu where I, it was almost more like a, rem, like a memory. Like I remembered doing that in the past and remembered almost drawing it out and remembered, you know, keeping it and then starting to like it and then someone seeing it in the future, like from this point in, you know, where I am right now speaking to you the memory included like a future event where someone really liked it. And I was explaining to them how I almost threw it out and they were like, well, I want to buy it. So it was this, this, this insane kind of parallel memory that, um, that I experienced. And I don't know what it is, but it was very bizarre and it hasn't been happening for a long time. It's only been happening for a couple months where they, these feelings, um, getting, are getting stronger and stronger. Who knows what it is? You know, it's nothing. It's just deja vu. But, like, from all the stuff we're talking about, I thought it was an interesting thing to add to the conversation. Yeah. Well, well, what is interesting, dude, with me, the way that I experienced that, that, because I know the feeling. Mine doesn't manifest, though, in the terms of, like, well, I've been here before. It manifests, it used to manifest in the form of, like, people. Be like, I've met this person before. I know this person. I swear. But, like, I definitely don't. So it used to happen. I know the exact feeling. It's, like, very palpable. Like, what the fuck? So I've had it with people before, but what's happened to me over the course of the last, say, few years, even before a few years, but in a few years, like, especially, the feeling, I get that same feeling when it'll be like, I have a thought. It will just be what seems like a random fleeting thought. You know, your brain just like just has thoughts. Like you can't really control sometimes where they come from or when they go or like 
They're totally random sometimes. There's been certain thoughts that that will happen. They'll be like five, ten seconds long, like totally at random, but yet they'll give me that feeling. They'll give me that weird feeling like, oh, that feeling's different. Like that thought felt weird. What the fuck was that? And then over the course of time, it slowly played, like turns out that like those those really random thoughts that felt weird and stuck out like that, they came to pass. So I don't know what that is, dude. I don't know if we're just like maybe time really is an illusion and it's a product of our brains only being able to process a limited amount of data at one time. And so like it does it in a linear fashion. Maybe we're actually like totally limitless beings and have the ability to tap into all of the past pop quote unquote past possibilities and quote unquote future possibilities and that's when we're getting those feelings is like somehow we're more aligned with the quantum weirdness of things and we're tapping into that and that's where the feeling comes from the visceral reaction in your body comes from and the sense of deja vu or the sense of like that thought was weird or the sense of like I know that person maybe that's what it is I don't know but it's fascinating bro yeah it really is um, and this is definitely one of those subjects where you subjects where you have to say, you know, I really don't know anything about anything. Um, <laughs> I think the amount of things that, that humanity as a whole knows compared to the amount of things that that exist and can be known, not by us, you know, in in these um, in human form, but maybe in some other. Uh, um, Maybe in some other setting, um, this goes back to, uh, you know, people who believe in an afterlife, you know, there's something in us that is that will not die. And that thing that's in us that won't die, perhaps that's what's connected um, back to the very source of everything. And, um, yeah, I think, I personally think <laughs> time, uh, time is um, an illusion. It's, it's a weird thing that we experience here but it's it's not what we think it is i think there's way more you know going on um i i feel like we're trapped in time and so we experience it in a very specific way and it makes us think that's how it is but it's not all right bro beautiful i totally agree well we're gonna end the conversation with we know nothing about anything it all comes down to you we know nothing about anything Enjoy the ride because it's fun. Love your people. Do good. And whatever you do, do not argue with people on the Internet because it's not doing anyone any good. Yeah, I agree with that, man. All right, bro. I love you lots. Let's talk soon. Um, uh, At some point here, now that I have money, maybe I'll fly down there again. Now that everything's back to normal, almost. Sounds good, man. It's good talking. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.